Anyone going on a Christmas vacation this year? They can be lots of fun. Hey, today we are kicking off this series. Before we do, can we thank all the folks who, I don't even know how many hours, but I'm probably hundreds of hours who built this beautiful set behind us this morning. And Brandon Hutzel led that crew and just spent hours and hours and hours. Give him a hand. Great job. <laughs> Kicking off our Christmas series today, and we're calling it this year, we're calling it Travel Light. Travel Light. The big idea behind the series is often we make the holidays more complicated than they need to be by carrying with us baggage that we just don't need to carry. We, we weigh ourselves down with things like family relationships and financial pressures and regret and failure and bitterness and distractions. And much of the stress that we bear is because we're loaded down carrying things that God never intended for us to carry. So what we're doing here through the month of December for our church is we want to encourage our church to find the freedom that comes when we travel light. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, Luke chapter 12. We're going to get right into scripture because it is the word of God that gets on the inside of us and changes our hearts. So we're going to do a lot of scripture today, but it's all found right here in the 12th chapter of Luke. We're going to start in about verse 13. It says, then one from the crowd said to him, the him here being Jesus, one from the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to this guy, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, let's use our imagination, the imagination that God gave us this morning, and let's go back about 2,000 years to when this event is taking place place, all right? This is the time where Jesus Christ is walking on this planet in a physical body. Jesus himself is eternal, but he was only here in a physical body for about 33 years. So if you were among the people who are alive during this time and you are living in the part of the world that Jesus is living in, you have a rare, a super rare opportunity to see Jesus Christ in the flesh. Right? You and I, we've not had that opportunity. Thousands and thousands and millions and millions of people, they've never had that opportunity. It's a very rare opportunity. You've got to be living in that time during that 33-year period or so that he's walking the planet. And I want you to imagine you have one opportunity to say one thing to God in the flesh. What, what would that be? <laughs> I love you. This guy has that opportunity. In fact, Jesus is teaching a Bible study. He's, and this guy's there. He's in the flesh. He can hear his voice, hear, hear the word of God, teach the word of God. He's got this rare opportunity. He interrupts Jesus. And this is what he says. Jesus, could you tell my brother to give me some money? 
Somebody say, that's sad. That's real sad. He could have worshipped him. He could have expressed his love. He could have said, Jesus, you're awesome. He could have said so many things. But here's what he said. Here's, his, his heart was revealed through his words. And he said, uh, excuse me, Jesus, great, great sermon. Great sermon. You're doing a great job. But just one thing. Could I just stop you for just a minute? Could you tell my brother to give me some money? Yikes. Yikes. What does that reveal about this guy's heart? And, and here's, what, here's what Jesus said to him. Man, <laughs> verse 14, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Jesus said, I, I, who told me to get in charge of you and your brother's business? I ain't going to do that. But then he said to them, he uses it now as a teachable moment. He said to the crowd, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Watch out and guard yourselves against every form of greed. For not even when one has an overflowing abundance does his life consist of, nor is it derived from his possessions. The Living Bible says it this way. Beware. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. Come on. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. The message, which is a Bible paraphrase, states it this way. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. I like that. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. As we uh, approach this Christmas season, I've been thinking about how much of our lives, how much of my life, I'm not preaching at you today, we're in this together, we're, we're, God's Word is going to preach to us all, but I've been thinking how much of our lives are consumed by the pursuit and possession of stuff. Somebody say stuff. I love Christmas. I love just about everything there is to love about Christmas. I love the music. I love the lights. I like a couple of the movies. <laughs> I like all the food. Come on. I love family time. I love all that. But the older I get, the less I enjoy the stuff. It's not that I don't like giving and receiving gifts, but I look around our, at our house and I look at our garage and I look at our outbuilding and y'all, we are stuffed with stuff. Anybody else did like a double stuffed Oreo in your house? Like <laughs> we are just stuffed and I'm getting to the place in my life where I'm thinking about, you know, buying something for my kids and, and there's some questions you ask yourself, right? When you go to buy a gift for somebody, you, you think, will they like this? You think, uh, what color should I get? How about the sizing? I'm not sure what size you know, she's going to wear or he's going to wear. But here's a question I'm asking this year. Where is my daughter going to put this? Where, where is my son? Where is this thing going to live in our house? Because we have so much stuff. I love blessing people, but we got a lot of stuff. Anyone else have a lot of stuff? Most of our lives are just filled with stuff. And here in the scripture this morning, Jesus is dealing with a guy who wants money so he can buy stuff. And again, Jesus uses this as a teachable moment. Look at verse 16. He begins to tell a parable. Verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? This is a guy who's doing very well for himself. He's got lots of stuff. His garage is full. Storage building is full. So he devises a plan. Now, we're going to read through his plan. 
some of us in this room have worked this exact plan. Okay? We've worked this exact plan. I want you to see what he says. He says, I got so much stuff, got no room to keep it all. Here's his plan, verse 18. I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I'll tear down my barns and build greater or bigger barns. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. His stuff, right? That's his plan. But watch the next verse. His plan reveals his heart. His plan reveals his heart. Verse 19. And then I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods. You've got much stuff laid up for many years. Therefore, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, my, 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 my. I do not know if I have the words today to explain exactly what's in this passage, but I'm praying, I have prayed, and I'm praying in this moment that the Holy Spirit will help us get this. The reason that we spend so much of our lives pursuing money and the stuff it will buy is because stuff deceives our souls into thinking that the more stuff we have, the better off we'll be. That's what stuff does. This is what Jesus says right here. The rich guy gathered a bunch of stuff so that he could then tell his soul a lie. The lie is, if I get enough stuff, then I can look at my stuff and relax. I've made it. I've got it now. I've, I've got enough for retirement. I've got enough for the future. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> then I can take my ease. Then I can eat and drink and be merry. If I can just get the right stuff, then my soul will be at peace. But here's the truth. Stuff can never fulfill the longings of our souls. Stuff can never bring us peace. Stuff can never drive away our fears. Stuff can never give us more joy. Do you know that more stuff will not fix your marriage? Won't do it. More stuff won't fix your love life. Do you know more stuff does not equal more love from your kids? Some of us trying to buy our kids. Let me tell you, they're too rich for your blood. Because <coughs> they got human hearts just like you do. And no amount of money will ever buy that heart. Stuff is a liar. But it's a really, really good liar. <laughs> and that's the problem with stuff. <laughs> the rich guy says, my garage is too small. I'm going to tear it down. <laughs> And I'm going to build a big one. And then my soul will find its rest. Then my soul can relax. Then my soul will be at peace. But look at what Jesus says in verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Jesus says you can have all the stuff in the world, but not one inch of it is leaving this planet with you. Who then is going to get all the stuff in your bigger barn, your bigger garage? Who? Because none of it is going with you. None of it. My boat, Jesus, you like boats? Can I take? Nope. This is really going to hurt some of you Garrett County men and women. How about my guns? Jesus going to take my guns? Nope. My side-by-side, Jesus, we can do streets of gold on the side-by-side. Nope. My guitars, Jesus. None. Zero. And what you and I work really, really hard to gather and build up, our kids 
give to Christian crossings <laughs> and curse us every trip we take. Can't believe my dad. I told him to pack rat. My mom was a hoarder. She should have got rid of this stuff a long time ago. Here we are. Pam Troutwine, where you at? <laughs> we just had this conversation. Verse 20, let's look at it. Fool, this night your soul, the thing that deceived you into thinking you're going to be at ease now with stuff, will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Calling someone a fool in the Bible, in Bible language, is, is, is pretty much the strongest language of their day. And Jesus says it is a fool who lays up for himself treasure and is not rich toward God. Jesus, why are you using such strong language? Jesus, why is it so foolish to pursue stuff? We're just going to work our way through this passage for a minute. And it's going to explain to us why we get this strong warning about stuff. Look at verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry. worry. Everyone say worry. Worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. Farmer just kept building bigger barns, bigger barns, bigger barns. Ravens have no barn. And God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds. One of the first things that Jesus starts to bring out in this passage is, is that we are prone, you and I are prone to find our security in our stuff. We tend to forget that God is our provider and we are bent toward trusting our stuff. Verse 25, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Jesus said, can you worry all night and make yourself taller? No, can't do it. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So I want you to see, so far in the passage, he's used the word worry twice. So worry, worry, he's used the word anxious, and he he said little faith. Worry, worry, anxious, little faith. Verse 29. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. The people who don't know God seek after these things. But God, who is your Father, knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. If we just skim back up, if we read the text backwards, it will reveal to us why the farmer kept on building bigger barns. The farmer had an anxious, worried mind. He was never at peace. The farmer was a man of little faith. He did not know how to trust God. And the farmer spent way more time worrying than he did worshiping. Through this parable, Jesus is painting a picture of what we all tend to do. We all, every one of us, tend to try and use money or possessions to meet needs in our lives that they were never intended to meet. Again, stuff is a really, really good liar. Stuff, if we get enough of it, it can make us feel powerful. Stuff can make us feel like we're in control, like we are the master. Look at all my stuff. 
Like we're the master of our own world. Stuff can make us feel superior to others. Because you know what we do when we get our stuff, we compare our stuff to someone else's stuff. Often that's why we got our stuff. Because we compared our current stuff to someone else's current stuff. It was better. Their stuff was better than our stuff. So we decided we need to get new stuff so we can be better than their stuff. If we get enough stuff, we will feel successful. It is a, a good, good liar. There's nothing wrong with money or stuff in and of itself. But when stuff comes in contact with a heart that is not rich toward God, stuff will become an idol in our lives. I'll say that again. Money in and of itself, stuff in and of itself, it's not evil. But when stuff comes in contact with a heart that is not rich toward God, Stuff then becomes an idol in our lives. I heard a story this week. A man went to this remote village to to do missionary work. And he was there for 10 years. Very little contact with the outside world. Okay, It was on another continent. And he came back 10 years later and somebody asked him, they said, we'll call him Bill. They said, hey, Bill, you know, you've been gone from the United States for 10 years. What, what, what's the biggest change that you see in our nation since you've been gone for 10 years? And Bill said, I got two words for you. Storage units. Storage units. That was the biggest change. He said, when, when I left, he said, that I... There was no such thing as a storage unit. You know, you might have had a little building at your house or a garage, but, but I came back and there are just storage units everywhere across the fruited plain. <laughs> There's something wrong with us. Because we don't have enough room to keep our own stuff, so we will actually pay rent to somebody else to keep hold of the stuff we don't use. And you know we don't use it because we will put it, you know, it's not like you put your fridge in the storage unit because you use that, right? But we put the stuff from our house in a storage unit and we don't even, some of us ain't been there to visit our stuff in two years. We send the check, but we have not been there to see our stuff. You're, do you think your stuff misses you? <laughs> do you think your stuff is thinking about you? We're sick, y'all. Somebody say amen. amen. How bad are we? I don't know. You ever get something and then you like it so much you go, you know, this is nice. And I got a really good deal, so I probably ought to pick up a second one. Because, right? Because what if this one breaks? What if someone steals this? What if the dog eats this one? I got to have a backup. How many guilty people? Being honest here this morning. How about, how about this one? You ever just seen something and even if you don't need it, you just thought, that's a good deal. And you're just, you're just tempted to buy it. Not, you might not even want it, but just, it's a good, it's hard. Hey, I'm a steward of the most high God. I can't pass up good deals on stuff. Come on. Right? I'm not, you're going to think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. This week I was scrolling Facebook Marketplace, and I saw a deal that just for a moment, just for a second, I thought, you know, that's a really good deal. I took a screenshot. You think I went looking for this for this sermon. No. 
I am telling you the truth. I'm scrolling through Facebook Marketplace. I see this brand new bright yellow casket, 800 bucks. Look at that thing. It looks like it just rolled off the showroom floor. I mean, that's a deal. I send it to my family. I say, just for a, stop judging me. I can feel it right now. Take that down. Take it down. Do you know how much new ones are? My grandkids would thank me. Eight hundred bucks. It's a deal. We're sick, aren't we? We're just a, okay. I'm sick, and I'm your pastor. <laughs> Verse 32, Jesus is talking. Do not fear, little flock. I want you to notice he changes his tone now. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Give alms or offerings to poor people. Give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where there no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus concludes this passage with a couple of key takeaways. Verse 32, fear not. He's telling us that per, the pursuit of stuff is often driven by fear. The fear of lack drives us to get more, get more, buy more, hoard, get a second one. Don't pass up that deal. When we live like that, it reveals to us that we have put our trust in things, not God. And then he says, little flock. So he softens his tone. Remember, he called the farmer a fool. But now he's teaching his disciples. And he says, little flock. What, what, what is he doing? He's reminding them and us that we are sheep. We are sheep that belong to a good shepherd. What does a shepherd do for his sheep? He tends them. He, he takes care of them. He, he protects them. He makes sure they're watered. He makes sure they're fed. The shepherd pretty much does everything for his sheep. You know what they do? They walk around and eat stuff. Same. <laughs> What he's saying is, we don't have to look to money or material possessions as our security in life. The same God that feeds the birds and tends to the lilies, that God is our Father. And the, the text isn't saying that our needs aren't real. It's not saying that we shouldn't work hard and be good stewards of, of what we've been given. But this morning, the teaching of Jesus is challenging our perspective. And then you want application, you want to read the Bible and send you an application. Well, Jesus gives us some radical application in verse 33. He says, sell what you have and give it away. <laughs> Jesus says the cure to worry and fear and insecurity about money is not to collect more of it. The cure is not to hoard more stuff. The cure is actually to become radically generous. Let me ask you this morning. Again, I'm not preaching at you. It's just, we're in this together. And I'm not taking up an offering. We already did that. But between you and God, between me and God, how generous 
are we? How generous as a people are we? How rich toward God are we? According to a recent study, the average Christian gives away about 2.5% of their income. So about 2.5 pennies on every dollar is what the average Christian gives away. And, and, and you might say, yeah, Pastor, but have you seen gas prices? Yes, I have seen them. How about inflation? Yeah, we got, we got seven mouths to feed in our house. Walmart loves me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I know. Recession, I, I know. Yeah, look at our retirements. I, I know. But do you know during the Great Depression, the average Christian gave away 3.3% of their income? It's not a math issue, is it? We have way more now, but we actually give less. Because we often trust our stuff more than our God. I encourage you this Christmas season, be very intentional intentional about generosity. I'm not asking you to give anything here, but give somewhere. Give to someone. Do you know what a generous heart will do for you? <laughs> what it will do for me? It will help us relieve stress. A generous heart will help relieve anxiety. A generous heart is, a, is the cure against greed and discontentment. That's why the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. That's why it, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity is an incredible way to protect our hearts from greed and to show the love of God to those around us. Jesus says in verse 33, when you do that, when you sell what you have and you give it away, isn't it interesting? I don't, I don't know. I'm turning 50 here in a couple of years, and it just feels like there should be some sort of rule that, like, we spend our younger years trying to accumulate stuff. But there ought to be just a, a, a mark on the calendar that when you hit that birthday, it goes ding, 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 and all of a sudden, no more gifts. And now your goal in life should be to just give everything away. That's not near as popular as I thought it was, it was going to be. I guess you don't have as much stuff as I do or you have a bigger barn. <laughs> Jesus says when we become generous people, it's like this. It's like you're providing yourself money bags which don't grow old. A treasure not on earth but in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. You know, when we read a passage like this today... And we look around at the abundance that most of us have. It might feel easy uh, or it might be easy to feel a little guilty. Most of us in this room are wealthy compared to the world's population. I know it might not feel like that. It's your house. But compared to the population of the world, most of us are wealthy. There's a large, large group of people in the world that live on less than a dollar a day. And so that would then put just... You know, probably all of us in the, in the wealthy category compared to them. But I don't think the point of Jesus' message is to make us feel guilty, but rather to make us feel grateful and then adjust our perspective. 
At Christmas, we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of Jesus, his first coming to this earth. And let's think for a moment about what that looked like. He was God coming in the flesh, and so he could have done whatever he wanted. He could have come in royalty, but instead he came in simplicity. There's no room for him at the end, and so they repurpose a feeding trough in a manger to, to make a, a crib for the son of, uh, son of God. Talk about traveling light. Mary didn't even bring a onesie. Come on, y'all. They had to wrap him in swaddling clothes, whatever those are. He came in simplicity, but what have we done? We've taken this holiday. We've weighed it down with so much stuff. Added so many expectations. But by the time we are finished with our gift list, we are exhausted and have often missed the point of Christmas. I'm not trying to ruin anyone's Christmas this year. I'm just saying, let's go into Christmas with some clarity. I'm going to close in just a second. I'm going to ask Mr. Welch to come and close us in prayer. But here's our clarity. Let's just in this whole passage of Scripture, let's take away two verses is our clarity. And we begin to think about this Christmas season. Here's what Jesus said. Two things. Our lives do not consist in the abundance of things we possess. Don't, Don't stress yourself out trying to just collect stuff. Because that's not your life anyway. It's not my life anyway. Don't put yourself in debt trying to buy somebody's love. If you got to do that, it ain't love, baby, let me tell you. (laughs) And if your kids are going to be mad at you because you didn't get them 30 things, just just a little little parenting advice here. If your kids are going to be mad at you, your kid is a brat. And, and they don't need a sugar daddy or a sugar mama. They need a parent this year to help them understand to be grateful for what they do get. It's free. It's free. I'm not charging anything extra for that. Don't send me an email. I delete. <laughs> Your life, my life, they don't consist in the abundance of things. And then here's our clarity point number two, what Jesus said, verse 34. For where our treasure is, There our hearts are going to be also. Wherever you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. I was thinking this week about all my junk, all my stuff. I was thinking, what what is my most prized possession right now? What, to me, what has the most value? And I'm not telling you this to, to be cheesy okay or or to but it's just the truth I was just thinking about it what in my life right now has the most value to me pictures pictures I couldn't the pictures on my phone I could not print them out and sell them to anybody No no one else would want them the pictures I have with my wife my kids, my grandkids, my, my family, our church family. I couldn't print that out and go down to the pawn shop. I couldn't get a nickel out of that thing, Joe. But to me, they are more valuable than anything else I possess. 
could we maybe do a little exercise this week and inventory our stuff? Go ahead, look around at it. Walk around. Go through your garage. Walk through your buildings. Look around. And then ask yourself, what do I value the most? I hope that God will be at the very top of your list. I hope that people will be right under him. And I hope way down on the bottom somewhere will be your stuff. Will you come and pray for us today? Let's stand together. Let's take a moment. And Everything we read to you today was from Luke chapter 12, the words of Jesus. So let's ask Jesus what he might be saying to our hearts. Wow, wow, wow. How does he do that? Each week I come here and he brings a message that changes my life in some way. Are we not blessed? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Wow. Should I call uh, Christian Crossings and just alert them? There's probably going to be a huge mass of donations this week. (laughs) I have a lot of stuff. Anybody else with me? Yeah. Why can't I live my life like uh, I'm not taking that stuff with me? <laughs> There's no purse that ever pulls a U-Haul behind it. Um, but I want to live my life like that stuff's not going with me. Um, I was thinking about the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I need to remember that and this is a great season to do that would you pray with me Lord thank you for this uh, message that you've sent us Lord help me to do something with it Lord help me to go and live my life differently this week Lord instead of looking for what more I can accumulate Would you show me how I can use what you've given me to be a blessing to somebody else? You're all that we need, Father. And we thank you for the way that you've blessed us. Help us to be a blessing to the people around us. Amen.